Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we um, look at the cases for players inducted into the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley. Bill? Hey, how you doing? Good, how about you? I'm doing great, thanks. And uh, this is an episode where we are, the theory was we were going to focus on past first players, and it got derailed slightly by old timers because they didn't really record a lot of assists back then. So... Uh, our eligible player is Bobby Smith. Our relatively recently inducted player is Ron Francis, um, who, of course, has a lot of assists. And then lastly, our old-timer is a guy named Carson Cooper, who is not currently in the Hall of Fame and who really wasn't a pass for his player, as far as I can tell, but who managed to at least be on assist leaderboards in a way that some of the other guys we were talking about weren't. <laughs> so he sort of counts, I guess. It's hard to know because they were, there was only one assist and they didn't even award it all the time, a lot of the time. It's really hard to know. He might have been a pass for his player. Who knows? Nobody um, really knows. <laughs> yeah, nobody really knows. So we're starting off with uh, Bobby Smith, um, a player who uh, played from uh, 1978 to 1993. He was the first overall draft pick in, uh, in 1978. And his career numbers... Are, um, well, I should say he, he played 13 of his 15 seasons are quality. His career numbers are good unless you think about the era. Yeah. So, it, like, you know, 1,036 points in 1,077 games would be pretty great right now. It would be a fantastic in the dead puck era. It's, yeah. it, but he played between 78 and 93. So, uh, as we will see, that hurts him when adjusting for era. Um, he, uh, but he was he was the first overall draft pick, and, and under, understandably so. I'm looking at his junior stats here, and he uh, in his year before he was drafted, he scored 192 points in 61 games in the OHL. So I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. It was also cases. it was it was not a good draft as we're gonna see. Um, and this time I'm not screwing that up. Uh, I, I think the last episode, I mean, there were there were some good players, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the extent of like, I said it wasn't a good draft about like one of the greatest drafts in the history of the NHL. And then I looked at it, I was like, well, that was a stupid thing to say. It's pretty easy to click on the wrong year, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing is, is because there's like, there was a bad one, I think the year before or after that draft it was a, a nasty one. And like, I was thinking of that one and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't that draft. This is like, one of the greatest drafts in the history of the sport. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, so we like to start off with uh, the draft, and he was, this is like one of the instances in NHL history where like it really seems like they, they actually got it right. Um, yeah. Because Bobby Smith is first in goals, first in assists, first in points. He is 58th in plus minus, but, you know, he was drafted by the North Stars, so keep that in mind. Um, he's third in games played and he's first in point shares. And I just want to point out how significant that is. Point shares favor goalies and they favor goal scorers. So all things being equal, if you have a player who scored 1,036 points by Bobby Smith, but scored more goals than assists or had a, a like Bobby Smith's like roughly like a little bit below one to two goals to assists. If you had a player who was, closer to even that player would just automatically have more point shares than Bobby Smith and goalies just have more point shares because the, the format credits them with more in a game. Um, and the reason they have less overall is because they just don't play full season. So with that aside, Bobby Smith is 15 point shares ahead of the next player in his draft. So he is like 
very definitively the uh you know the best player in this draft like you could argue i think um some people would argue because of his uh his his edge that the player would be that ken linsman was the best player in the draft but like ken linsman played on a lot of better teams than bobby smith did uh, yeah. when bobby smith played on his his not so great team. Well, we'll see. Actually, it's it's surprising how much Bobby Smith played in the playoffs, given how how bad the North Stars were at times. Um, anyway, so it's like this is like this is the rare instance. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Bill, if you can remember any, but I certainly feel like usually when we do this investigation, sometimes a guy's a clear number one and goes number one, but it's often like somebody went in the top five or something, and this is just yeah. like there's is not even close, at least by yeah. point shares. He is far and away the best player. Yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through trying to see if any other name jumps out at me, but it's uh, there's there's no like there's a few other good players in this draft, but I don't think anybody that produced the way that he did. Um, Fedosov, yeah. but Fedosov didn't come over for like ten That's years, what, or, yeah. so like yeah, you yeah. can't really. I mean, I know people listening to this might be like, Fedosov's clearly the best player, yeah. but like we, sorry guys, this is the NHL, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just checking it out right now, and there is something super interesting about this draft, and I'm just gonna get to it in a minute. I'm on round eight, so just give me one <laughs> second to flip through so, and remind myself. So how yeah, many there are. But well, I can just I can just say how far ahead every every he is of everything. He's thirty he's thirty three goals ahead of Paul McLean. He is um a hundred and forty something, almost one hundred and fifty assists ahead of Ken Lindsman. For all those people who think Ken Lindsman's the better player. He's a a thousand, uh, sorry, two thousand and something, two thousand thirty-ish points ahead of Ken Lindsman. He is uh, games played. He is only sixteen behind Craig McTavish in games played for third, and Brad Marsh is ahead of him by like nine. Um, and then of course the one thing you can say is plus minus. You know, Ken Lindsman is is two hundred and something uh, goals ahead of uh, uh, Bobby Smith in this but again plus minus is a uh, contextual stat and ken lindsman played for the flyers and the bruins and uh you know teams that like in that era were like plus minus machines did he also play for the Oilers? he played for the oilers um like ken lindsman like yeah he just you know he was always on good teams and like this is not to denigrate him as a player but just to say that like some of that is luck right he got drafted by philly bobby smith yeah. got drafted by uh the north stars so anyway it's just it's, it's very i i can't remember the last time we we popped into a draft and saw the number one pick was this clearly the best in retrospect yeah like it's and just it's, it, hands down yeah well like fatisov was one of those like late round guys somebody took a flyer on like maybe he'll be able to come over one day you know but it wasn't like I guess if he'd been eligible, maybe he would have been a first rounder, but like yeah. it's, I, I think it's pretty far and away. It's, it's Bobby Smith and then maybe Ken Lindsman and don't forget Stan Smeal as well. Um, yeah. Well, guys who had good, decent pit yeah, peaks, really good but career. really short peaks, right? Like Al Secord, yeah. I think was in there. Or was it McAdam? One or the other, one of those two Al's yeah, was, scored a bunch of goals yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Al like, was in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he had a, he had a good couple of years, but like, you know, you're, yeah. This is the only guy, aside from Fedosov, who's who's uh, even has a. I mean, I guess you could maybe make a case that I know. Remember Don Cherry saying Ken Lindsman belong in the Hall of Fame at one point. He was, he was he was a heck of a player. My uh, 
my parents remember him pretty well as well and saying, you know, remember saying how good he was. Um, so I, I just, there's a really interesting thing about this draft. And as I was scrolling through looking for anybody that might compete with Bobby Smith, I started to realize that this is a thing. So many of these guys have been NHL head coaches or GMs. It's ridiculous. Like, oh, that's funny. Ridiculous. So, um, We've got uh, number five overall is Mike Gillis, the uh, former uh, GM of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, we've got Larry Playfair, former assistant with the Calgary Flames when they went to the Cup. Uh, we've got Steve, Steve Tambellini, another uh, yeah. assistant GM in the NHL. We've got Dave Hunter, who uh, uh, I think is running the uh, the team with Dale. Um, or maybe he's one of the, you know, not Hunter brothers, but I think he is. Um We've got uh, Joel Quenville. Oh yeah, one of the now uh, one of the winningest coaches of all time. Yeah, we've got Don Maloney. Okay. Yeah, that's an, another another coaching name. We've got uh, uh, Stan Smeal was an assistant coach with Vancouver. Um, we've got uh, getting into the next round here. There's there's a whole bunch coming almost in a row here soon. Um, got uh, Ted Nolan. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got uh Jim Nill. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's just a ton uh, of them, he, eh? He was the GM, was uh was up in the Red Wings organization. I think now he's the GM in uh in Dallas. Yeah, that uh, sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh we've got uh there's another big name coming soon. Um Paul McLean. Yeah. Um, Don Waddell. Uh, there's somebody else really good here too coming up soon. Like it's it's uncanny how many of these guys ended up being like quite well respected uh, coaches in the NHL. Coaches um, or, or front office people. Or front office, yeah. Like like a crazy amount. Like I can't believe how many of these guys were in this particular draft. Craig McTavish, Kevin. Yeah, Johnson. yeah. Actually, when you first said it, I was gonna say McT, and then I completely forgot. Yeah, McTavish, Kevin Constantine. Um, I wonder why this is like because it's, it's really bizarre. Like it's it's throwing me off. <laughs> so if if I was a more charitable person, I would say, well, maybe it's just it just pretty like the draft was like there was there was a certain type of player was really popular in this draft, that's and awesome. that player converted to being a good coach. Yeah. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think so. Daryl Sutter. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. hockey is pretty uh, incestuous in the sense that, like, people like to like that. You know, they want to promote the guys they know. And so I'm wondering if, like, it's just that the owners who were in power, or the GMs in power in the '90s and onwards, were like teammates, or like, yeah. o- or were owners of the teams these guys played on and knew them personally, and were like, oh, uh, yeah. You're like I like you, whatever. I mean, I don't have a theory, a good theory of that. I don't have any evidence, but like, I just, I, I wonder if that's what it was. Is just there was like, it's a particular people who are of a certain age, or I mean, there could be other drafts where this many people pop up too. It, it, it just it, seems like a really startling number. But it's, it's, it's not, it's not just the like, it's the sheer number is high. A lot of yeah. them were like assistant coaches and stuff, and that's kind of expected. But the number of like cup winning head coaches and like. Good, like, well-respected GMs that are in this one is crazy. And then uh, the last one that I spotted where I just 
there's probably a couple more that were assistant GMs that I just don't realize it. But uh, uh, Chris Nyland was in oh, yeah. uh, round 19, and he was an assistant coach with Jersey at one point. So, um, so there's there's a there's a big article to be written for the internet if it doesn't already exist of like what 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 draft produced the most coaches or front office people or yeah as well and it's it's like we're talking like uh like we're talking a couple of lock hall of fame coaches right joel quenville and uh, daryl sutter and they were both drafted in the same year that's that's weird like that's a weird coincidence it's super weird coincidence yeah yeah it's uh to, to have that many names that you don't remember them as a player, like they, they didn't do anything. Maybe Stan Smeal as an assistant coach or Nyland because of his notoriety for fighting. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like you don't remember those guys as players at all, but you sure remember no. them as coaches. And it's like, it's really weird. Yeah. It's very, and very I'm strange. sure there's a couple I'm missing too, where like that guy was a big time, you know, coach in the eighties. And I just, I was a kid. So I don't remember. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and Ted Nolan as well. Like, I mean, we're talking yeah. three, let's say three of the best coaches in the last 20 years and they're all yeah. the same draft like it's weird <laughs> it's super weird yeah, yeah yeah although on the other hand with more and more teams that's going to happen more and more frequently oh probably. For sure, yeah yeah it's 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 not just that like i mean former players tend to become coaches yeah it's just that for them to be all really good head coaches or like coaches of a certain uh certain uh I don't want to say notoriety, but like of just uh, renown, I guess you could say of like generally respected as like what a great hockey mind. And they were all in the 78 draft for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. It's really interesting. And, and that none of them were like, like big time names before they became a coach, right? Like they didn't make yeah. their mark as a player. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It's just a weird, weird, weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, sure. So one of the things that surprised me about Bobby Smith was despite not being a point per game player and playing most of his career in the eighties, he's actually, he ranks pretty well in his era. So only 21 players managed to play 984 games, which is 12 seasons between 78 and 93. But among those players, he's seventh in goals. He's fifth in assists. He's seventh in points and he's 12th in point shares, which is like an eighth in offensive point share. So that would say the eighth best forward. So that's, I'm really surprised by that. Because I was expecting him to be trounced by his contemporaries. And I, I wonder, well, for one thing, that, that omits Lemieux, right? Because it, yeah. of the era. Um, and I don't know, honestly, off the top of my head, 984 might be slightly more than Mike Bossy played. I don't remember how many games he played, so maybe it omits Mike Bossy too. I didn't really look. But it's still the fact that he's like, if you put that threshold of almost 1,000 games, he's one of the like 10 to 12, well, 8 to 12 best players in the league. Yeah feels or at least forwards forwards um inter if you're talking about point, uh, offensive point shares it just feels really uh surprising to me given the okay. fact that he his like his 82 game average is 79 points and he played in the 80s so yeah. i'm I, I find that that's to his credit and i'm really i was really surprised the other thing that shocked the hell out of me because i didn't watch hockey this early uh, i i was watching hockey like the last couple years of his career and i was paying no attention to minnesota that's for damn sure um <laughs> is is his presence on the playoff leaderboards oh sorry i should mention before we move on his peak he had a, a significantly better peak um his best years were 79 to 82 and he scored 106 points per season prorated to 80 games so that's a lot better than 79 um yes, so he did. He did have a peak that was considerably uh, better than his overall career, which is very true of a lot of these guys. Um, but like, the playoff numbers are crazy. 
when he retired, he was 12th in goals. He was 10th in assists in the playoffs and 10th in points and 5th in games played, which is just, I mean, he really, oh, some of that is luck, right? Who he got traded, who he played for, who he got traded. He was on both of the famous North Star runs. He just happened, yeah. you know, but like I did now he's, he's, he's fallen off the leaderboards uh, in terms of games played and in terms of uh, assists, but he's still top 25 in goals and, and points yeah. in playoffs. And I was just like, just shocked by that. I had no idea. I was not expecting that. He was a big, he was a big time playoff performer and he, he used to draw a lot of hard minutes too. Like, obviously I didn't, I didn't pay attention when I was a kid to who was drawing the tough matchup, but yeah. um, my brother and I used to have the, an old video in French that we used to watch constantly to practice our French. Cause we were, we had moved from Vancouver. And so, you know, we're just trying to get better at French and that kind of things. And it was the days where if you wanted to see hockey, uh, and you didn't have cable, you had to watch it on a videotape in a VHS machine. Uh, and so we used to have, uh, we used to have like some old hockey highlight tapes, but the one mm-hmm. that we watched almost constantly because it was in French and it was just, it was like a really well done production for those days was the 88, 89 Canadians video that they put out. And it was the year oh, they right. lost to the Flames in the cup final, but Bobby Smith, Bobby Smith. And since we're looking at the draft that Bobby Smith came out of Ryan Walter featured very prominently in that Canadians run to the final. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, so like I saw a lot of Bobby Smith highlights and I'm like, man, that guy is like, he is a big man and he is very, very difficult to uh, move off the puck. Like he was able to do stuff in traffic and had like really good hands for a big guy. And I mean, he's six, four, right. He's a, he's a pretty big guy. So yeah. he, uh, if I'd been, paying closer attention to matchups and stuff watching hockey in those days again i was eight so i wasn't um you know like i i but I, i've seen that hockey highlight tape so many times i can already picture like him making passes and goals and stuff in my head um but like i just remember him having really good hands and always seeming to score big goals in the playoffs like the, the whole the whole playoff section of the video was like bobby smith scoring huge goals all the time um yeah yeah, or making the big pass kind of thing for somebody to just like slam it into an open net, and you're just like, wow, what a pass! That was uh, his best. That was his best playoff in terms of goals, not in terms of points, but in terms of goals, it was his best yeah. playoff. Yeah, um, so, so it does. He, uh, as we wouldn't be surprised, he he gets really killed by the adjustment for era. Oh yeah, the, the hockey <laughs> reference adjustment drops his total career numbers by almost 200 points. And that's an 82-game average that is uh, 13 off, so 64 points per 82 games instead of 79. And the and the uh, the versus X adjustment, which is from uh, the history board on Hockey's Future, um, that hurts him even more. It drops him down to 812 points. Um, wow. So like you now, as I mentioned when we talked first, introduced you said we were going to use versus X as well. It versus X is it biases a different era than hockey reference does. Hockey reference biases the 20s versus X biases the 30s, but still, um, both of them really like you know his his career numbers don't look good when you adjust for error. But that's that's true of everybody. I mean, even even Mike Bossy and Gretzky, yeah. um, you know, have have these. Well, Gretzky it's a little less bad because he played sometime in the Dubuque era, but like they, their numbers drop a bunch. Yeah, well, so, it's, it's it's interesting too because um, if you if you if you look at the like his numbers with the Canadians, yeah. he's so he has his really good numbers with the North Stars right at the beginning of yeah. his career 100, 114 points ninety three points he's an yeah. offensive player and then when he comes to the Habs they're a much more defensive minded team mm-hmm. um, just the way that they always played right um, 
I guess for about the last 40 years, they've always been a little more defensive minded than most teams. Um, and, and so his numbers drop a lot. Um, yeah. But then when the Habs start to get good from uh, 86 to 89, his numbers kind of bounce back up to that. He's like 86, 75, 93, 83. Like those are all really good numbers. Not maybe yeah. not for the era in terms of pure offense, but if he's expected to play a more defensive style and he's still putting up all those points, that's, that's a pretty yeah. good sort of secondary peak for him to have. And yeah. then they have, you know, he's playing uh, 20 playoff games, 17 playoff games, 11 playoff games, yeah. 21 playoff games. Yeah. And then he was, he was magically there for that last North Stars run where he played 23 more and did very well in the playoffs. But his numbers when he, when he left the Habs the next year in 89-90 uh, was his last year with the Habs. He only played 53 games. And he like fell off a cliff in terms of point production, except yeah. for that one North Stars run where he must have just amped up for the playoffs because he was a playoff performer kind of thing. But like, yeah. it's it's like he goes from 83 points in 89, and then I, he never hits 50 again. Like, well, and we should mention while you're mentioning this that we said earlier on he's a minus player, and so in his draft and his era he's not ranked well. But that all comes from joining the North Stars at 100%. the end of his career. He was a plus player, and then. Because of playing with the Habs, specifically. Yeah. And then he goes to the North Stars, and he's minus 24 in 1992. Yeah. And, you know, presumably, they just threw him to the Wolves. Like, here, you're a veteran. Play play against, you know, the yeah. opponent's best line. And yeah. good luck to you. And uh, and he's old, and he's, you know. Yeah. And, and so, like, like like many of these these players we talk about who... who uh, who have minuses at the end of their career, you can actually pinpoint like two seasons that like yep. that cause that. And with Bobby Smith, it's 83 and 92. And if you remove those two seasons from his, uh, his resume, he is a plus player. Exactly. So um, it's, that's worth thinking about. Um, yeah, well, Cause I mean, if somebody just looks purely at that stat, they're like, Oh, he wasn't that good defensively either. It's like, no, nah, he's pretty good defensively. He just happened to be on some, some the North stars were either hot and like made noise in the playoffs or they were God awful. Like, yeah. There's no yeah. in between it seems. So we have two trades, but only one of them is really worth talking about. Um, because the second one is when he got traded back to Minnesota from the Habs for a fourth round draft pick, which doesn't sound like a lot of fun in, in the summer. <laughs> it's yeah. just very much. I mean, the Habs were pretty convinced Bobby Smith was done if they were trading him for a fourth round draft pick in the offseason. Um, so the one trade we have is October 1983 when he was traded to Montreal for Keith Acton, Mark Napier, and a third round pick that became Ken Hodge's son, the less famous Ken Hodge. Um, and like uh, Smith was 25, Acton was 25, Mark Napier is 26. So it was basically trading a star, because this is after, of course, that Bobby Smith had the 114-point season. Yeah. A couple seasons after, but still, season and a half after. Um, but, uh, you know, it's trading a star for, like, guys who were, like, first-liners on the Habs, but, like, the post-Lafleur Habs. So Yeah. And, I mean, to me, this really does look... And you, you may feel differently because I don't know if you know more about Keith Acton and Mark Napier to me, but this looks like a very classic, like 75 cents on the dollar star trade. You have the yeah. best player in the trade and you don't quite get everything you want back because you're, you have the best player in the trade yeah. and well, they, they, they you probably gave it away. Want, 
they probably didn't want to pay him if they, you know, I, I don't know this for sure. There could be some other sort of controversy I'm, I'm not aware of. Um, I don't think so, but um, yeah, that, uh, that trade just sort of like Keith Acton was from the same draft and I think he was a first round pick. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe even top 10. So they're probably like, well, they're both from the same year. The he was actually, year. he was actually 103rd overall. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I knew I saw his name somewhere, but I, <laughs> I didn't realize it was that far down. Anyways, uh, yeah, so, but it's like, I don't know, maybe it was just like, uh, we need, I, I think depth used to matter. It, I, it matters a lot in the NHL now, too. It's, that's hard. That's, that's kind of, there was an era where depth didn't matter as much, where your fourth line played five minutes a night and just fought. But it's becoming more and more important now as the game speeds up again. And it's just like, if you don't have a decent fourth line that you, if they get stuck out there, you're getting scored on, like, yeah. kind of thing. Like, I think at this time, maybe a lot of people, and especially in those days when, like, the NHL was not a rich league back then. Like, most guys didn't make big money. So, like, if you're going to pay a guy big money and your team sucks and you're not drawing in fans, like, how do you pay him and justify that? So, maybe that was it. They're like, Montreal will be able to pay him. We won't. Montreal's like, we'll trade you this guy, this guy, and this guy. They're all super affordable. They're on, like, these cheap contracts. And maybe it had a lot to do with it. And putting aside the cup... I just did a quick, which which obviously means Montreal wins this trade because Montreal he was a he wasn't the most important player on that team, but he was like the second or third, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, like I just did a quick point share calculation, yeah, and like and Montreal definitely netted the most point shares oh, yeah. in that trade, despite despite the fact that they uh, they got one player and Minnesota got three. Um, so it is very much a like it, it's actually closer. I think with my really rough arithmetic, which is probably not good, it's more like 67 cents on the dollar, at least in terms of regular season stuff. Um, because, of course, Minnesota went off and, like, you didn't hold on to those guys as long as Montreal held on to Bobby Smith. Um, so Bobby Smith had only has only one career, major career award, and uh, I guess because of, A, playing in Montreal, uh, sorry, Minnesota for a huge chunk of his career, and B, being in many ways sometimes the second best offensive player on the on the mid to late 80s Habs. He doesn't have any all-star stuff. I mean, he has four all-star appearances, but he doesn't have any, like, end-of-season stuff. So he's got yeah. the Calder. He won the Rookie of the Year uh, with 74 points in 80 games in 1979. And then that's that's it. Um, no other end-of-year recognition um, for his entire career, um, which is, you know, in terms of Hall of Fame resumes, is fairly notable except for the fact that we're recording this not long after uh, the Hall inducted Kevin Lowe, who we're going to talk about in an episode or two. And uh, so, you know, standards have lowered. But certainly in our ideal Hall of Fame, Bill, I think there's not too many players who have this little individual hardware. No, um, that's very, uh, yeah. It's also worth noting that Hockey Reference has him as a top 10 forward only once in 82 when he uh when he had those 114 points which just gives you a crazy an idea of how crazy 1982 was if he was he was uh what what is he the eighth best for in the league in 1982 with 114 points that's because uh um you know uh everybody scored a lot and that year probably Gretzky probably had close to I don't know if he quite had 200 that year but he was soon to hit 200 if he didn't already so yeah so you know he uh, he was never 
a, a main goal scorer, but he was top 10 assists twice, top 10 in points once, uh, top 10 in points per game twice. So, you know, he, he had a couple good years, but as, as you said, Bill, he was, uh, it was more, I don't have his minutes because he played before the league overall tracked minutes, but he was more of a, uh, I, I, my understanding, I heard this as well as he, he was matched up against people a lot of the time. And, and so he wasn't necessarily always the star uh offensive player i mean he he was too but like the idea was he was he was playing a two-ray role if i'm not mistaken um yeah like the the two-way role for sure like is should 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 matter and considering sort of his, his his case but like i mean bob gainey was pretty much like they invented the selkie trophy for him and bob, like i think that's too when, when he went to montreal he probably learned a lot from bob gainey how to become a better uh defensive forward so i, I think yeah. his defensive game definitely got better but uh i don't think anybody would call him a defensive specialist no uh, i was more thinking i feel like he was and maybe i just got this i don't know maybe i just skimmed the wikipedia article too quickly or something but i do feel like there was some impression that he was playing not not as a shutdown, but just like he would he would often be matched up against like well, you can tell from the minuses, right? He was yeah. matched up against some lines that were like doing a lot of scoring and he was expected to score at the same time. Whereas some players it's different, right? You're sort of like you try to get them on the ice just to score and then get them the hell off. Um but I don't know. I didn't watch him play, of course. Yeah. Um there's a, as we've introduced this recently, uh, there's a versus X adjustment for peak as well, which is a neat little thing they do. And he, it really hurts him as well. His best seven seasons, he doesn't, he's not in the top 200 in terms of NHL best seven season peaks for goals for assists. He's 132nd and points. He's, he's almost 200th. Um, so barely on the list. But best 10, he's a little better. He's 110th all-time for assists and 162nd for points. I just I like bringing that up because I think it's a neat way of looking at, like, the sort of peak of the career, how they compare across eras. And, I mean, like I said, it's a flawed adjustment, but it's a neat little thing where you can see, like, you know, have a sense of where he stands. And, the you know, if if, if we're talking about a, a Hall of Fame that is going to admit the, the top 150 forwards ever – then he he makes sense. If you want to be a little pickier, you might want to think, you know, maybe not. Um, yeah. But then we come to his playoffs, which for a guy who was drafted by the North Stars, it's just, I'm sorry, I know I said I was shocked, but it's just crazy. <laughs> um, so, of course, he won a cup. Um, he was only, by points, he was only, he was not the best player on that team. That was uh, Matt Snazlin, and I believe... Uh, also, um, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Chelios had a hell of a, either 86 or 89. Chelios had a hell of a run. Yeah. Um, in the playoffs, it was 89 because Chelios did not have that hell of a run in 86. Um, also, Claude Lemieux was on the 86 team too. Um, yeah. But in addition to that cup, he was also on uh, three. He went to the Stanley Cup final four times. In, yes in um 15 years which is crazy yeah oh, uh, given yeah. that he was not on the oilers or the yeah. or the um you know or the other great teams of the era so you know he went uh twice with the north stars and he went twice with the habs the habs teams were obviously sort of more expected to be there the north stars not so much yeah um he was 
by points the best forward on the uh, the Habs team that didn't win in '89. Um, I say best forward because I'm pretty sure that was the year Chelios had a hell of a hell of a year offensively. Yeah. Um, and then he was also a top three forward on the '81. North Stars, the famous 81 North Stars who went to the final, and he was a top six forward on the uh, famous 91 North Stars who also went to the finals. Yeah, and, and then it's, he, it's, it's worth mentioning as well, you know, because we're talking about what a, what a great playoff player he was and that he would probably draw the toughest assignment or play sort of the most minutes as like the big center on his team. Um, and they, they ended up playing like the, the series that they lost they ended up playing like all time, like really great teams in terms of like, I can't believe that they gave that team any sort of challenge whatsoever. Although the, with the last one, maybe not so much, but uh, they ended up playing the Islanders in 81. And obviously yeah. the Islanders were right in the middle of their dynasty and just like crushed everybody, like had no chance. Um, then they, then uh, they ended up, the Habs ended up losing to the Flames in 89. And that was a very close series, but uh, that Flames team was like, I mean, had multiple Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah, like six of them or something crazy like that. Yeah, Yeah. like, and that team would have won more cups if they just had been able to get by the Oilers. Like, they should have been in so many cup finals, but they they played in the same division as the Oilers. So uh, so that team might not get the credit that it's due. Um, I still maintain Joel Otto kicked that puck in in Game 7 in Round 1, but that's just, that's the Vancouver fan of me talking. (laughs) They were, they were a damn good team. Um, and then, uh, and then they lose to Mario Lemieux and the Penguins in the, in the cup final. Like those are three teams, like you're probably not beating those teams no matter how hot of a run you're on. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he, if, if he had gone in different years or ended up not playing against like some pretty much like teams that would get, if you wrote an article about, you know, greatest teams in the last 50 years, all three of those teams would be listed in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so he ran into like these incredible teams. Otherwise maybe we're talking about a guy who's won three or four cups. Right. And then maybe his the flip side of that though, Bill is that he probably doesn't have as many playoff games if he doesn't play in the eighties because of the crazy, crazy NHL habit of putting in like two thirds of the league into the playoffs for like Uh, 15 years. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I completely agree. If he if if they go on those runs in different seasons, maybe he has more more cups. And yeah. like it is, it's something we forget about a lot when we're evaluating people's playoff resumes is how much luck and 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 circumstance and like the system as a whole play play into it, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. The playoff format has a huge impact. Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, but but you have to sort of if you look at like the way his game, like never never dips right he basically has the same like and i don't know if it's the same percentage but it's really close like he's just below a point a game also in the playoffs uh like his his, like so i think those years where his team goes deep has a lot to do with him being on the team (laughs) um oh yeah yeah. i mean he was right especially the north stars ones you're like how'd they get that far like yeah they have bob smith he was a first line forward on the 89 Habs, the 86 Habs, the 81 stars and the 80 stars and 87 Habs that both went to conference finals and then he was a top six forwards, and I'm doing this by points, not ice time, so he might have had a bigger role on the 91 stars and the uh, 84 haps. Um, you know, and so it's not like he didn't, he wasn't a causal factor. Of course he was a big causal factor. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, he's it's it's one of these chicken and the egg things, like you replace him with a similar player, do they go as far? Who the hell knows? Um, but of course you can't just do that as, as the... Uh, as the North Stars found out when they traded him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
And then, of course, he has. I, I, sorry. I looked that up, by the way, and apparently he requested a trade because the the new coach cut his ice time, and okay. he was like, "I want to, you know, I want to play for a team that appreciates me." And so they 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 honored that request and shipped him out to Montreal. So. Oh, it was it was, it was a terrible year too. Nine points in ten games, awful. Yeah, Just, the worst. I mean, come on. Um, um, but yeah, so yeah, I think I think that. Obviously, that kind of stuff plays a factor, but also you just, uh, as you said, or you're not going to get your, usually not going to get your money back when you do when you trade a star. Yeah. Um, so he he because of his ridiculous playoff record um, of 184 games um, in the span of 13 seasons ish, and uh, which is just like crazy if you think about it, the number of playoff games per season that is right, 184 games, and we're talking about he played. He played 13 of his 15 seasons. He made the playoffs. It's just, it's just a lot of games. Um, Because of that, he basically never played internationally. He was on a, a world junior uh, team that made, that won the bronze medal in 1978. Um, And then that's it. Uh, He has no other, well, sorry, he had, he might've been on a couple other teams that I didn't write down because they didn't do well, but like he basically was in the playoffs. Like he, his, his career is like he was on the Oilers or something in terms of the playoffs because he's just he's in every almost every year it's it's really yeah. there's been the odd player who's had that happen where they get traded a bunch and they end up constantly on these playoff teams but it's still it's just a marvel to me you know missing the playoffs so few times over the course of that year and I think they were both is it just the first it was the first year of his career and it was the last year of his career that he didn't make the playoffs I think yeah. yeah. And then the other 13, he made the playoffs, and he played one season. He played four playoff games. <laughs> Every other season, he played at least seven. So uh, that is just a preposterous, like preposterous number. It's it's you know. What, yeah, and I, what I, 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 it says it's saying a lot too because a lot of people don't don't really remember that the North Stars were very rarely good. They were always yeah. just kind of like a mediocre team with a few good players. And it's it almost felt like if they just if they got some goaltending they might be able to go because they they played a very sort of physical, um, physical brand of hockey and sort of uh, not as much as when they became the Dallas Stars but like they, they they were tough to play against man and they had they never seemed to have like that one although you could argue Bobby Smith at the beginning of his career they never seemed to have that one superstar player they yeah. always just seemed to be like a collection of like good players who you know, really could sort of work together. And, uh, and when it clicked, it really clicked kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I was reading about his, uh, his junior career too, cause he broke, um, Bobby Orr's points record in the OHL. And that, that same year Gretzky was playing, but he was 16 years old. So they mm. were, they were the two most talked about guys in hockey because Bobby Smith was, you know, breaking Bobby Orr's record scored 192 points. And then Gretzky was 16. And I think he scored like 180 something. So, okay. um, so both of them, but then Gretzky obviously went off to the WHA and, uh, but some scouts at the time were like, Oh, Bobby Smith is the guy you really want because look how big he is. Gretzky's like, he's frail. Yeah, he's he's you know, people might just beat him up and he won't be able to do anything. And it's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> that take hasn't um, aged so well. <laughs> no, it hasn't. But at the same time, you know, you can't really say he was a bad draft pick as a first overall. So. No, no. I mean, clearly, he was the best draft pick available in that season, yeah. like or in that draft. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he had a pretty, uh, he had a pretty good career. Where do you stand on uh, Hall of Fame? Ah, <sighs> it's difficult for me because I like him so much. Um, yeah. 
I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a no, but uh, I I think that if he played in today's era with advanced stats, we might have a different take on that. Like he he yeah. might really some of those advanced stats that we just there's no way we can figure them out. Uh, they might really show his importance, and we might remember him. Uh, um, in a, in a way, I want to say kind of the way he doesn't have as many points, obviously, because Joe Thornton's going to get in. But sort of that, like he was always really good, but was he ever like great? And like a, a lot of, I think a lot of people feel that way about Joe Thornton. I particularly don't. Um, I think he does belong in the Hall of Fame, but I could sort of see Bobby Smith being the same sort of conversation. Like he was good, but great. Like that sort of. It's a know, really dumb uh, conversation about Thornton because Thornton, of course, won an MVP and you know, oh, I know. various other things. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think a lot of people yeah. definitely feel. I mean, I certainly, that was my impression before researching him, was that he yeah. was one of these players. In fact, I actually thought, I wondered, like, would he even be the best player in draft? Because I didn't know anything about the draft off the top of my head. Yeah. So I was but, quite but surprised we, by a couple of things. We, we, we look at a lot of players nowadays where if they won multiple cups, they sort of get like this huge bump up. And he was yeah. in so many finals that with a little bit more luck, maybe he would be getting in by now. Um, well, the other thing is that if you if we had ice time, and this said that he was playing the most minutes of any forward on like three of those four teams. Yeah. I would start thinking like, cause the thing that I always like say about Medano, for example, who I watched. And yes. so I know things about Medano that I do not know about Wally Smith, but like, you know, Medano's regular season numbers are blah, you know, like yeah. they're not, like he was just, he was a good offensive player, but he was like, you know, he, he was never like, the star offensive player who's supposed to be the reason he's 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 a great player is because he was a all-around player and like and and for people who didn't watch him all you have to do is point to like the playoffs when like dallas was just like no you're go you're playing again you're playing again you're yeah. still playing again you're gonna yeah. we're gonna play yeah. you defenseman minutes in the stanley cup finals because yeah. that's how important you are if if i had that information about bobby smith about like some of these finals I might change my mind because right now I'm leaning and the same thing with you. The only things I think like argue towards him are really are the, pl the crazy playoff stats. Yeah. And, and like, I should point out not per game stats, but like totals. So there, yeah. there's another thing to think about, but otherwise I would say no. But like, if, if I knew he was playing like 22, 24 minutes a game in the, in the finals or something, I would, ch I would probably change my mind. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like one of those like workhorse centers who just always seems to show up, you know, when you need him the most kind of thing. And I, I think like, like a lot of people now are talking about like Justin Williams getting in because he's had such success in Game Seven since he's won a few cups. I know yeah. we're gonna get we're gonna get to we're gonna get to it eventually. It's gonna happen. I think I think you're right. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. But I, but I'm just saying, if Bobby Smith, if he goes to you know, if he goes to four finals and you know nowadays and everybody's like, wow, that guy's always amazing in the playoffs. Maybe he gets a stronger push sort of thing. And then back then yeah. it was kind of like he, he did it in the era where the Oilers were doing that every single year and it. I don't know. It did, maybe it, did, it didn't seem as impressive back then because a lot of guys had deep playoff runs because there were fewer teams. Um, a better comparison you know, might be Brad Marchand, who is is going to, you know, has has a season where he he didn't lead the league, but he had a, a top offensive season, at least one of them, just like Bobby Smith did. But he has these like, you know, most important player on. He they only won one cup, but like he went to multiple finals. Like that, the last one they went to, I was just like, "Oh God, I think this means Brad Marchand is going to the Hall of Fame." 
And then instead he went for a line change and totally screwed them. So that was fantastic for me. You have no idea. Yeah, but like people, I think by the time it's time to induct him, people won't be thinking about that stuff. They'll just look and they'll see like, well, look at this. He was like the most important or second most important forward on like three Stanley Cup final teams. Yeah, well, but I, I, to to me, then you get to that point. And obviously like Marshawn has, uh, you know, obviously is a fantastic hockey player. I even as much as I hate him, I can't argue that the guy can play flat out play hockey, but he does all those like little scumbaggy things. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like he's, he's a, he's a version 2.0 of Claude Lemieux where it's like yeah. this guy, when much he wants better. to like oh. play, no, I know, but, in the, but Claude Lemieux won a con Smythe, right? Like he's, he yeah. showed up in the playoffs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that guy won multiple cups and really played, you know, like really well in the playoffs. Like, but he's such a scumbag nobody wants to vote for him. <laughs> or yeah. at least i don't want to say personally like that he's a terrible person but on the ice he did some very dirty things you know and yeah. so um it's uh it's it's i, I don't know if the, i don't know if that's going to hurt his case one day but anyways we're, we're definitely getting off track yeah, but yeah. since we since we mentioned dirty things um is one of my favorite bobby smith things and i have to put in if we're going to talk about bobby smith and in that old video that my brother and i used to watch all the time uh, that was the year that Chelios uh, got attacked by uh, Ron Hextall for knocking out Brian Prop in game one with uh, with the flying elbow, and he didn't get suspended for it. And then Hextall attacked Chelios in, at the end of game six when it was very clear they were going to lose. Um, and the game was in Philadelphia, and Hextall's just... And so then it's a huge brawl, right? Everybody on the ice is throwing down and everything. And then at the very end, it's the, like the French announcer guy saying, like, you know, the Canadians are off to the Stanley Cup final as they show it, Bobby Smith's going out the like back like Zamboni door towards their dressing room and like the Flyers fans are throwing stuff at him and he's just flipping off the crowd with both hands and I'm just like that is awesome that's how you want a guy going off the ice after a playoff series it was fantastic <laughs> you can look it up I'm sure somewhere it's just like look up that brawl with Hextall and it's just pandemonium um Anyways, yeah, so that's one of my favorite Bobby Smith memories where they kept it in the video of him flipping off the Flyers fans. I'm like, wow, you guys didn't even cut that? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it would be very different, very different now, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So up next, we have um, an interesting player in that one that I don't think anyone would doubt belongs in the Hall of Fame, but who's like totals sort of like skew his reputation. Um, and a player who played a lot longer in fact even played for my team uh briefly uh when i was very very into hockey but um who also like you know he, he played he played in both eras both really high scoring era and i talk about rod francis i should have said that a while ago um played in a really high scoring era and he played in a lower much lower scoring area one of the lowest ever um and has some crazy crazy career numbers but then has this weird thing where he like Rarely had like incredible seasons, especially in the high scoring era. And his best, the best season of his career offensively occurred when he was the second line center on a, on a team with two of the best players of all time. So he has a very strange career, I find. Uh, not strange, like just strange in the sense of like, you know, if you just looked at Ron Francis's total numbers, you're like, this is one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. But like, then it's just this weird thing where like he's not like it's not we're not talking about Mike Gardner okay but like it's still one of these where you look at it and you're like really yeah anyway 
So let's get let's get to it. He played forever, as everybody knows. Ron Francis played for forever. He played 23 seasons. He somehow managed to score at least half a point per game in every single one of those 23 seasons, while not missing enough games for me to dock him. What I usually do when I do the quality season thing is I make sure they play at least half the games in the season and scored at least 0.5 points per game. And he did that in every in 23 straight seasons, which is insane and, and something that only Gordy Howe and, uh, I don't know, a couple other people, Messi, I guess, and a couple other people have ever done. Um, when he retired, he was 19th all-time in goals. He is no longer in the top 25. He is still second all-time in assists with almost 1,250, one shy of 1,250 assists, which is second to Gretzky. And he has nearly 1,800 points, which was fourth at his retirement and is now fifth behind Gordie Howe, Gretzky, Messier, and Yager. I think I did that correctly. Uh, I apologize. I the order. Oh, wait, did, didn't Yager pass Messier? Yeah, he did, but I meant just those four guys. I didn't mean okay. necessarily in that order. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yager passed Messier. Um, but he is also, like Bobby Smith, a minus. He is minus 18, and you can thank the Hartford Whalers for that uh, and also did we queue up the bra- brass bonanza or <laughs> <laughs> and also the one really one bad season near the end of his career on the hurricanes when he was minus 22 but like th- th- this is this is the mi- these are the minuses for the first four seasons of ron francis's career are you ready i'm ready this is how good the whalers were he was minus 15 minus 26 minus 12 and minus 24 which is basically minus 80 over the course of the first four seasons of his career while only playing one full season in those four seasons. So that's, that's a big hole to dig yourself out of to minus 18. And then of course he was, he led the league in plus minus when he was 31. So there you go there. That's how silly plus minus can be. Uh, He is uh, 16th all time in assists per game. He's actually he was 18th all time at his retirement. So some some guys he must have been uh, behind kept playing longer and bumped themselves down. Because that's I gotta say that's one of the few times that we've done this where like a, a player had retired at one point and got and his career numbers relative to everyone else improved while he was retired. Yeah. <laughs> um, at his retirement he was 19th all time in um in point shares. Believe it or not which is because he played forever. Uh, and uh, he is 16th all-time in offensive point shares, 12th all-time in his retirement, so he's been passed by, you know, um, people who were who had just not played as long. You know, everyone's playing longer and longer, and the problem with point shares, of course, is that they are cumulative, and so they don't give you, you know, you have more when you play longer. Yeah. So he's from the 1981 draft. He was four, drafted fourth overall, and... Uh, Unlike the 1978 draft, there is no consensus that the number one pick was actually the best player because that number one player was Dale Haverchuk. And obviously, though Ron Francis's peak was nowhere near uh, Dale Haverchuk's, Ron Francis' career was significantly uh, longer. He played um, 550 more games-ish than Dale Haverchuk did. Just, just, uh, just greater longevity, and I, I can't remember what yeah. happened to Dale Howardchuck. I think he had like a pretty bad injury, didn't he? And like, he must know. have, he must have. Uh, I was, that I, was. I don't remember his career super, super well. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So Francis is first in games in the draft ahead of Chelios, McInnes. So this is a good draft. James Patrick and Dale Howarchuk and Bob Carpenter and uh, Gaetan Duchesne, um, all of whom played a thousand games. So it's a relatively deep draft. Francis is uh, first in goals, but we should point out only because he played 1,700 games. Dale yeah. Howarchuk has 500 goals in 1,200 games, and Ron Francis has 550 goals in 1,700. So you, there's an imbalance there. Um, no one else scored 500 goals from this draft. The next closest is Al McInnes with 340. Uh, Ron Francis has uh, 300 more assists than Al McInnes does. <laughs> but also played 300 more games. So That's you know. true. And don't forget, played a different position as well. I mean, yeah. uh, yes. you know what? It is actually a really interesting draft because there are multiple, multiple Hall of Famers in this one. Yeah. Um, one, one of the better drafts, I would say. Um and, Certainly a lot uh, better than 1978, that's for sure. Yes, that's very true. They've, that, they've got, uh, yeah, well, obviously, like, Ron Francis is going to have the best overall stats because he played forever, yeah. but you've got, you know, Howard Chuck, Grant Fear was there if we're going to talk about goalies, uh, Al McInnes, Chris Chelios, um, and, of course, you can't forget Tony Tanti. Um, John Van Beesbrook. John Van Beesbrook. Sometimes I just like to say a hockey player's name because I like, I like the sound of his name. Mike, Mike uh, Vernon. <laughs> Mike Vernon, yeah. So we're talking about, yeah, and I, Vernon's not in yet, eh? No, he's not in. Huh. I think that may that may change soon. Um, yeah. I think if they ever try to put Chris Osbad in, uh, they are absolutely going to have to put Mike Vernon in. Yeah, and <laughs> they put, if they put Osgood in, both Vernon and Cujo, I think, are like... Oh, yeah. I think, I like, think Vernon and Cujo should go in, actually. They were fantastic goalies. I um, think Vernon should. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, I used to Cujo, be very, very Cujo sure. was pretty unbelievable for a Well, a here's long yeah, yeah, he is, but he also had some bad luck, and we oh, know yeah. how the uh, the NHL, the Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame, doesn't love luck. They 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 don't think it exists. I think um, that's another story. Um, you're right. There's there's a lot of. And in fact, Francis is only fourth in point shares in this draft. One reason being that like there's a goalie and uh, two defensemen ahead of him, and uh, yeah. the way the point shares are divided up, Francis being a a passer and not a goal scorer um the, yeah. the defensemen get more credit and so do goalies than than certainly passers but it's all forwards so like um it's it's uh yeah so it, he actually by by the totals and we uh, hockey reference doesn't let us do per games for the drafts but like by the totals he's the best player in the draft but by point shares he's the fourth and i think any any like any per game stat uh dale howard is way ahead of him and, um, I mean, like, Dale Howardchuk had 1,400 points in, in, in less than 1,200 games, and Francis had 1,800 and 1,700. So that's easy math to do. But there's only three, despite the all the Hall of Famers, there's only three players with 1,000 points in the draft. Man. That's I, because I it's injuries. because the Hall of Famers are all goalies and defensemen. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a very good point. That is, yeah. or, and borderline ones, yeah. Yeah, because if you look by point shares, it's McInnes, Chelios, Van Beesbrook, Francis, Fuhrer, Howarchuk, Vernon. And then it gets into guys who are a little more questionable. James Patrick, Bruce Driver, Steve Smith, Clinton Larchuk, Tom Kerbers, the infamous Tom Kerbers, if you're a Leafs fan. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you're right, Bill. It's, it's a good draft. It's a good draft. Yeah. And he is, you know, it's – Howarchuk's peak was better than Francis's peak, I think it's safe to say. Uh, yeah. But – uh, they also did different things, um, particularly since, you know, Francis didn't score goals at all. Howard Chuck did. 
And Francis also, at least later in his career, was considered um, a very good defensive player. I don't think Howard Chuck was ever considered a very good defensive player. I could be wrong about that. Well, he also, he also played in an era where it didn't really matter either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was on a bad team. Um, so era wise, uh, six players managed to play in about 1500 games, 18 seasons between 81 and 2004. And among those Francis is shockingly first in, in assists and points. I don't know how that happened, but, <laughs> but he is, uh, he's, he's like third in goals per game. He's, he's first in assists per game, but he's second in points per game. He's also, um, fifth second last in point shares and you might say why well for one thing uh almost everybody in that group is defensemen because defensemen there were just a bunch of defensemen who played a long time including mckinnis and chelios um, whose careers overlap but also um as i said it was talking about bobby smith uh, the point share metric weights goals way more than it weights assists so francis is naturally penalized for point shares just because of the kind of player he was. So it's worth that's worth thinking about. His uh, 82 game average is is 6 points better than uh, Bobby Smith's, but he's also a minus 1 and his 3 year peak weirdly occurring in his uh early 30s <laughs> is 110 points in 82 games between 93 and 96 when he was of course the second line center for the uh the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know. Did did Messi, did Messi did Lemieux and Francis ever play on the same line? I don't. Uh, maybe on the power play, but uh, oh, I'm sure they played on the power play together. Right? Yeah. That would be like you couldn't not do that, right? Yeah. Like that, you'd be. I would hope that any coach who was like Francis and Lemieux can never be on the power play together, especially yeah. when they need a goal, would get fired really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you you would think so, right? I mean, my God, that team is so stacked; it was crazy. Yeah. Um. His playoff numbers are uh, are just uh, not as good as Bobby Smith's, which is uh, totals, uh, I should say, uh, which is quite funny. They're less. He play, he played lo- way longer than Bobby Smith, and he has way fewer. And that's that's because of the Whalers, right? Um, he played 171 games to uh, to Bobby Smith's 180. What was it? 180. Uh, 184. Um, when Francis retired, he was uh, 20th all-time in playoff assists. He is now longer, no longer in the top 25. He has 143 points in 171 games. So much like Bobby Smith and many, many players, most players from the era, his his playoff numbers are lower than his career, uh, his regular season career per game averages, which is not a surprise. I mean, it really isn't. Um, adjusting for era, actually, it, it really is very different for Ron Francis than for Bobby Smith for the simple reason that he played a chunk of his career in the dead puck era. And so yeah. when you, you make the era adjustment, um, he goes from 85 points per 82 games to 81. So basically a point per game player still, Yeah, which is uh, um, very impressive. And uh, he is, if you, if you require 820 games um, played for a career, Francis is 17 all, 17th all-time in adjusted assists, which is saying something, uh, because uh, of course he played a huge chunk of his time in an era that was really, really um, easy to score. And if you if you were to raise that requirement to 15 seasons, he's eighth all-time in adjusted assists per game and 16th all-time in adjusted points per game. Of course, if you 
if you don't put those requirements in, then a lot of the players from the early era of the NHL would be above him because that's the way hockey references adjustment works. <laughs> and lastly, uh, we have the versus X adjustment, which is, uh, uh, you know, is, is a little different comparison than the hockey reference one. And this puts him fourth all time in assists and seventh all time in points. So not that far off of his actual, uh, current spot. Um, but, he he doesn't get on the the uh, points per game and assists per game list until you make a requirement of at least 15 seasons played or 1,230 games, and then he finds himself in the top 15 for assists and top 25 for points. But like, you know, that's a not very not that many players played 15 seasons, so we're being very uh, generous to to talk about that. Um, so we have uh, we have two trades, and much like. Bobby Smith, one of them is completely insignificant and the other one is a big deal. And the insignificant one is the one that sent Ron Francis to my Maple Leafs um, when he was I, uh, he was 40 and he was traded for a uh, uh, a fourth round pick that uh, the Leafs later gave away because that's what they did with uh, in the early 2000s with picks. Um, not that it turned into anybody, but but like it's just oh, it turned into Jared Bull. Actually, he had a bit of a career, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was a player. He was a player. Yeah. But like, it's one of those things. The least were this is the thing that I one of the many many reasons why I eventually was like my hockey fan was destroyed is for seasons. I don't know how many seasons in a row. Every trade deadline, the least would give up all their picks for. Uh, for like old guys to go put around mats and like it just it's like they got older and older the longer the older mats get got the older the players they tried to put around them because like, you know they were, yeah. they were putting you phil housley with them doug gilmore like just like weird choices glenn wesley like guys who are like just like in their late 30s or early 40s and you're like what why are you doing this anyway and they're like because we have all these like second and fourth round picks who needs those Anyway, so that trade didn't matter. Rant over. The trade that did matter, of course, is uh, on the 1991 trade deadline, he was traded uh, to Pittsburgh from the team he'd spent a decade with, uh, the Harvard Whalers, uh, with uh, Grant Jennings. Uh, Francis was 28, by the way. Grant Jennings was 25. Ol Samuelson um, was 27-ish. And uh, Hartford got back John Cullen, who had just had a or was having the best season of his career, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 26. And then Jeff Parker, who I have no idea who that is, and Zarly Zalapsky. Uh, so um, that did not work out for Hartford, but it worked out for Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh won their second cup in a row. Yes, they did. Um, and Francis, of course, played a role in that. Uh, yeah, John Cullen was having... Uh, um, a crazy year. He had 94 points in 65 games when the trade happened, um, which is like got to be the best stretch of his career by a lot, right? Yeah, it totally is. He had one other year when he was shockingly also on Pittsburgh playing with, presumably, I don't know if he was ever on Lemieux's line, but he's definitely on the power play with Lemieux, um, where like, yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> they were. The Whalers are like, oh, John Collins, good. 
and not thinking about context, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> uh, it's not like John Cullen had a like, well, so like, so so this is here's here's the crazy. So apologize to, to focus on this as much, but like, so John Cullen's 1989-90 season, uh, he is he's 25 years old. It's the second season in the league. He must I don't know why he started his career so late, but he. He's 1.28 player uh, points per game, playing on the Muse Penguins. The, the season, the the season during the trade, 65 games for uh, Pittsburgh. He puts up 1.45. He gets traded to Hartford. The, re- the remaining 13 games, he's still on a roll despite changing circumstances. 1.23. His his next 19 games with Hartford the next season. Oh, sorry, I'm skipping a year. He so he's a point per game the next season in '92. 93, 19 games, 0. 0.47 points per game. In 1993, just falls off a cliff. And presumably, a lot of that has to do with, I don't know if there was an injury, but, like, basically, you know, the Whalers were, like, trading their franchise player and saw a guy who had really good numbers. They were inflated by playing with one of the top couple players in the history of the sport. Yeah. And then got a guy who was, turns out, not quite as good as they thought. Um, so, you yeah. know. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a whaler's thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that trade didn't work out for Harper. Um, Francis uh, won the Selkie in 1995. Uh, hilariously, like like the NHL likes to do, I believe that was his highest scoring year of his career in addition. Because <laughs> why not? No, sorry, that was the year before. He won the Selkie uh, in the lockout season, my apologies. So it was the next year that he won the... that he scored 119 points, but he came second in Selkie voting that year, so... Um, and then he he, he uh, won the Lady Bing three times and the King Clancy once, but, like, do, does anyone really care about that? Yeah. The things that are really impressive about Francis mostly come down to longevity. So he scored 20 goals 20 times... He was in the league 23 years. Only three of those seasons did he not reach 20 goals. The only other player to do that more is Gordie Howe, of course. Um, the other thing is uh, that's notable is though he only led the league in assists twice, he was top 12, or sorry, he's top 10 12 times, which is the third most of anybody in the in their career. I believe Gretzky is above him, and I don't remember who the other player was. Uh, it might have been how I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't write that down. Um, another notable thing is he had 60 assists nine times, which is uh, fifth most behind Gretzky, Coffee, Bork, and Oates. Oh, it was probably Bork, actually. It was up there. Um, he had 50 assists 16 times, which is second all-time behind Gretzky, who had 50 assists more than that because he's Wayne Gretzky. And he had 40 assists 19 times, which is tied with Gretzky for the most seasons of 40 assists. So that's something. Um, <laughs> your mileage may vary with what that thing is, but it's something. Um, some other crazy things. He he had ninety points seven times, only one of seventeen players, but he had eighty points eleven times, making him only one of ten players. And the lower you put the bar, the crazier it gets. Seventy points sixteen times. Uh, him, How Gretzky, and Dion. Sixty points eighteen times. Him, How Gretzky, and Yager. Fifty points twenty two times. Him and How, and that's it, because of course he played forever so the big debate with ron francis 
and where he should rank all time comes down to that, right? He had one of the longest careers in the sport, and for that career, he was mostly a very good player. And yeah, with like yet, no, no real drop off ever, right? Like no real drop off ever. That is a very good way of putting it. He never really. He just like when he retired when he was forty, um, he uh, he was uh, you know still serviceable, um, yeah. you know. And anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, his last season was not great, but, like, it was still not, like, embarrassing by any means. Uh, so, um, it's worth noting he also only had four all-star game appearances, just like Bobby Smith, which is interesting. And he led the league in plus-minus once, like I mentioned earlier, which is really funny given that he was, like, minus 80 to start his career. <laughs> uh, the versus X, X peak adjustment puts him as uh, his seven seasons are the 24th best stretch of seven seasons all time which really i, I mean that says a lot i think um and his fifth uh, his best seven seasons in terms of points were 54th all time so you know it's almost in the top 50 but if you turn it to best 10 seasons his uh, his his best 10 seasons in terms of assists are 18th all time and best 10 seasons in terms of points are 36th all time so a top 50 player by that metric anyway and then lastly we get to uh the great teams um, he, uh, so some interesting stuff. Uh, he led the playoffs in assists in, uh, 1992 after he showed up on the, uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, am I an asshole to Ron Francis? <laughs> I said he, he showed up for their second cup, Pittsburgh's second yeah. cup. I was wrong. He showed up for their first one. My apologies. Yeah. He was there for and, both, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, I, I was not watching. Um, and so you can, you know, you can definitely argue that despite certainly not having a, a very big role uh, points wise in the in the first one, um, yeah. you know, he had a pretty big role in the second one. He uh, he led the playoffs in assists, though, <laughs> though, just for fun. We're just going to just just because it's fun. We haven't got to Lemieux yet, so we haven't got <laughs> to talk about the ridiculous. It's a Mary Lemieux. Ron Francis led the playoffs in assists and was still seven points behind Mary Lemieux for the playoff lead in points. Wow. <laughs> because Lemieux had 16 goals in 15 wow. games. That's incredible. Whereas, you know, uh, Ron Francis played 21 games. Um, also, it's worth noting that he he had it. He was top three in points. Uh, he, sorry, sorry, my mistake. He led he led the uh, the Hurricanes, the 2002 Hurricanes in points which might um, might make you say, oh, he was the best forward. But fortunately, we have ice time. And he actually, um, though he led the uh, the Hurricanes in points, he was way behind Rod Brindamore in playing time, like preposterously behind. He actually, Rod Brindamore scored four less points, but was played um, almost 100 minutes more than Ron Francis was. So that's the kind of information I was talking about with Bobby Smith, right? You have yeah. that information. It's certainly you can. I mean, I watched it. I know how important Rob Francis was. Uh, Rob, I just say Rod Francis. I know how important yeah. Rod Brindamore was oh my to God, yeah. to those Hurricanes teams. Um, yeah. But like when you have the, if you didn't watch, if you have the ice time, you can say, well, like, yeah, sure, Ron Francis led the team in points, but like, who's out there? Like 572 minutes. It's Rod Brindamore. So oh, that. So anyway, that's just worth thinking about. Um, once again. Francis was sort of playing second line center. 
Um, yeah, and then he didn't he didn't have a lot of success internationally. He had he was on a bunch of not so great uh, Canadian international teams, but he did uh, they did come in second at the World Championships in 1985 when he was on Hartford and playing on some really bad you know because the best Canadian players were in the playoffs and the, those World Championship teams were not usually very good. So, I mean, obviously Ron Francis belongs uh, in the Hall of Fame. There's no question. But the question really is, like, is he one of the greatest players of all time? Because his peak is just so small, like, low compared to the greatest, greatest forwards ever. But then he has this other thing where he just played for forever and was like, like you said, Bill, he just, there was just never a drop off. Like, Maybe the very I, last I, I season of his career. Like, I, I feel like he's sort of uh, um, a little bit of a poor man's messier in terms of he played forever. He was always really good. I don't think you would ever say he was the best player in the league, but he was always like, let's say, top 10 in the league in terms of maybe not points, but like what he can do and how. Well, like, certainly how in terms of assists, he was top 10 in the oh, league for like half absolutely. his career. All, oh, more yeah. than half his career is crazy. Yeah. But like maybe, you know, players were having, you know, a, a brilliant individual sort of season or like a, they were at their peak sort of thing. He just, yeah. I mean, he did have a peak, but it's kind of like he just always kept chugging along with point a game season after point a game season and, you know, being like a defensive you know, like a lockdown defensive center, which is, you know, sort of like you really, you like you needed your second line center in those days to either score like crazy or be good enough defensively and still give you basically a point a game to win because everybody scored so much. Um, yeah. And, and like, I, I feel like, well, I, I know I've heard, you know, uh, Pierre Maguire does this spot on Montreal radio for about a half an hour every day. And when I was driving back and forth to work, I used to listen to it every single day. And anytime he would talk about those Penguins teams, he would always make sure he mentioned how important Ron, France, Ron Francis was to uh, to sort of making them into a championship team where it's like now now they can't just match up on Mario and put all their best defensive forwards against Mario where Ron's line is going to tear them apart. Like, yeah, you couldn't just load up anymore to stop Mario. It's like you might stop Mario, but then you're going to have, you know, not very good offensive players to play uh you know sorry sorry defensive players to play against ron and ron's good defensively too so if you put your top line out against him like he'll he can beat him so like it was just a huge change in their team somebody i don't remember who and i i my memory is telling me damian cox and if it was and i'm really really sorry for saying this because <laughs> um at least it's not steve simmons right you, that's true damian cox is nowhere near as bad as steve simmons that is a very low bar but it is also true um i'm uh, r.i.p cox block by the way uh, anyway uh it, it, which has been gone for a very long time um you know someone someone it might have been him said it was the best second line center of all time which is a weird thing to say because he was a first line center for like the first yeah. you know nine years of his career yeah, but he's, then he's only a second line center because he's playing behind maybe yeah. the greatest center of all time <laughs> yeah and and you know mcguire's absolutely right and he is ideal it is like a little, you know, I mean, later they did this, the the Avs did this with Sackett and Forsberg, right? You yeah. want like this top offensive player on your top line and you want your second center to be pretty damn good offensively, but also 
good defensively, and then you that creates this crazy matchup problem for the other team, which doesn't know who to play their players against because it absolutely like, does, and it's it's um it's something where like uh I, mean, I hate saying this because I don't like him, but a guy like Messier, uh, a guy like Bergeron, a guy like Jonathan Taves, where it's like. I can play any way you want to play and still beat you. You want to play a defensive, like, grinded-out game? No problem. I can do that. You know, you want to run and gun? I can beat you that way, too. Like, they're just, they're so, they're such good overall hockey players, and they can play in any situation that, like, yeah. you put out your top line, then you throw this guy, and he can beat you any way you want. He's your second-line center, but really, all, all you know, the, the most important thing he's doing is making sure that you can't load up on that first line and then that frees up a guy like Sackick, Gretzky, Lemieux, whatever, to go and do their damage kind of thing. Yeah. Because you're like, well, no matter which way, one of the two of them is going to beat us. You know, either we take our chances and gang up and try to stop Mario, which is almost impossible, or <laughs> we try to, you know, play hard against the Francis line and just hope Mario has a bad night. Like, what do you yeah. do? Like, there's, it's you're basically, yeah. you know, you've got a generational first line center who probably shouldn't exist because he's too good and then the next guy you have is not only a first line center but a great first line center and it's like he's playing your second line center like, what are you supposed to do against that and it's yeah, like Crosby yeah. and Malkin right now right like just what do you yeah. do one of, one of them is always on the ice <laughs> it's so annoying and and we don't have his ice time until he was 35 but he was playing over 21 minutes a game until he was 30 through his 30 he was playing 22 minutes a game through his age 36 season and he was playing 20 minutes a game through his age 38 season, which gives you an idea of how valuable he was. Yeah, even I, when he I, was... I, I think uh, like him and Brindamore and those guys, I think that like the reason their longevity is too, because they're like workout maniacs as well. Like, yeah. They just, they never stop working out. So they're so like in shape all the time that that's how yeah. they're able to go that long. Chelios yeah. is famous like that. Recky, all those guys who played in their forties, they're just like other guys see them work out and be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Chara, Chara does yeah. it too. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the only way you can do it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I have no idea where to rank him. I haven't sat down and ranked all the centers, but I do think that like he's one of those players where like in some ways his real value was realized when he was no longer a, the star of the team because yep. like you like you're saying, Bill, it just created these crazy matchup issues, and like you know he did have his best years. I mean, he the only years he led the league in assists are the years he was playing with like with Lemieux and he probably, he was probably getting the feast a little bit, you know, he was no, sometimes no longer getting the top defensive line of the other team. Um, but like, I don't know, his career is fascinating to me because, you know, I don't, I would never argue with anybody that he's one of the best players of all time, even one of the best centers of all time, but he, he played for so damn long and he was yeah. so consistently decent that it's like, it's like, it's hard to imagine someone else, having that kind of career too many other people anyway right like because it's such a like i mean tying how for certain records you've done something right like it's crazy yes, i know right <laughs> like to tie gordy how for one record and to almost tie him for another is is really is just crazy anyway um yeah i i, I don't i don't know where he, he sits all the time but he's he's definitely like he's had a fascinating career and he definitely was I don't know. I, I, he was a he's an interesting career in that maybe he was one of the best examples of like what you your ideal second line center would be. But he was also you know he had a great career before that. I mean 
he doesn't get traded to the uh, Penguins. He's maybe a little less. He definitely has less of a, a stellar reputation now as a player, but he still goes in the Hall of Fame probably. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he. I mean, he played so damn long, right? Like. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't even think you can argue about his stats. Like it's just, he's there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Lastly, we have a weird guy, um, and he's a weird guy because, uh, like many many early players, he he really. He sort of gets screwed historically by his decisions in that, unlike a lot of his contemporaries, he played senior well into his mid-20s. Um, he was still playing senior, like he played senior hockey up through his age 24 season, where he was just dominating the <laughs> Ontario Senior Hockey League. Um, he scored 40 points in 10 games in 1923-24. This is Carson Cooper. Um 40 points in 10 games in his final season of senior hockey. Why he was playing senior hockey, I don't know. There were some, as we've talked about on many episodes of the show, there were some funny ideas of the glories of amateurism. Um, but eventually someone someone convinced him to play in the NHL when he was 25. And so we don't actually know, you know, had he played in the NHA, where is he from? from Cornwall, so it would have been the NHA and not the not the PCHA. Had he played in the NHA and then the early NHL, especially that first season in the early NHL when things were crazy, like we don't know <laughs> if we're not. I mean, hell, I mean, he was he was how old was he in that season? You know, he would he was eighteen, so he probably wouldn't have had the world's greatest season. But had he had he played in the first couple seasons in which scoring was a lot higher than it later was, maybe maybe we would talk about this guy as a Maybe he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Who knows? Yeah. But he chose he pl- he chose to play senior for a lot longer than some of his contemporaries, and because he, he didn't play, we don't have he only played in the NHL, which is weird because usually it's like you know usually the path was different pro league NHL come in it, somewhere between twenty five and twenty seven from the other pro league, and this guy just yeah. didn't do that. He came in from the the minors, well not even the minors, the amateur. Um, still though, he still had. A remarkably good career for someone who played eight years in the NHL. Um, and I mentioned that because when he retired, he was 14th all-time in goals, 19th all-time in assists, and 17th all-time in points, despite starting his career late. Yeah. And he was 16th all-time in point shares. So, um, and, oh, and 17th all-time in games played. So, you know, none of that is like screaming Hall of Fame, but it is... Uh, it's worth noting that he managed to do that despite because, and I should point out, he played for the last uh, four seasons of his career. He was very healthy. Hmm. So into his early thirties, he was very healthy and played full. He, he had injury problems early on and then he just somehow, somehow fewer injury problems as he got older. Um, his per game, if you, if you set, uh, qualifiers way lower than hockey reference does. He was a uh, he was a top twenty player during his period even by per game. And he was top he was a he was tenth all time in offensive point shares when he retired, which was a surprise. Uh, that that would suggest he might belong in the Hall of Fame, but I don't I don't know um, if yeah. you can really go that crazy about that. Um, era wise, uh, twenty three players played at least six contemporary seasons between twenty four and thirty two. And Cooper is one of the 10 best. Uh, 10th goals, 13th in assists, 13th in points. 
So and twelfth in point shares. So you know, it's even a decent career. Yeah, it's not bad. The twenties, the the uh, the mid to late twenties were not good scoring wise. So his age, his forty eight game average, because that was the last, uh, that was the length of the last season he played, is not good. It's twenty eight points in forty eight games, but like that's very typical for the time. Um, the high scoring eras were the like the the teens, and then the league exploded when he was like in 1930 or 31 i can't remember which but he, at this point he was 30 yeah um he had a three-year peak of a 44 game average of 32 points from 1924 to 27 so again it doesn't sound that impressive uh until you apply hockey references adjustment which makes him <laughs> seem like the best player in history but that's the case of every so we'll just skip over that uh he had zero points in seven playoff games so that doesn't look good at all um, on the other hand, he played partially for Detroit, and they were not good. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't score enough to get the versus X. Uh, he just he's not in the database because uh, he you need to meet the uh, you mean need to meet minimum scoring requirements. And uh, this is a guy who had uh, what did I say? He had 172 total career points. So yeah. No, no. Um, but he was a top. He was a top five player once. Um, in 1926, Hockey Reference has him, um, as uh, hold on, I'm just pulling it up, as the third best player in the NHL in 1926. Wow. Which makes you think, like, why have I never heard of this guy? Yeah, seriously. Um, and he had uh, he was second in points that season. Um, he was eighth in assists and he was second in goals. And then he had one other good season, and that was 29, when he was third in, uh, third in goals, seventh in assists, and third in points. Um, he was not on some good teams. He, he started in the league on Boston. Boston was not good when he was on them. Then he moved to Montreal, but he was on Montreal for literally one, um, one playoff, and he was not good on that. And then he was on Detroit for the rest of his career. So he accumulated a lot of his his um, his best season was on Boston, but he, he, he most of his points were accumulated for the the uh, Cougars and Falcons, the Detroit teams who were not good. So he doesn't have any like career successes except for the fact that I discovered he was he won the Allen Cup in in twenty uh, sorry twenty nineteen in nineteen nineteen um, with his when he was first on the Hamilton Tigers. So that was before he was he was he was probably a role player. Or a substitute because he was 19 and he wasn't the dominant crazy scorer he was for the last three in his 20s. So, yeah, that's what we know about him. Um, yes, there's a there's a lack of uh, lack of information to try to make a case for him, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, basically the only case we have is that he had two years where he was an abs he was a star. Yeah. In 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 the NHL and uh, they're weirdly three years apart. Um, and on two different teams, uh, but like when it, in 19, his, his 1926 season is like a very good season. Um, and it's a guy I've never really heard of before. Uh, but then, you know, he was very inconsistent. He clearly had some injury trouble because he, he missed a ton of games in 27, sorry, not 27 in 25, his first season. And, uh, and then again, he missed some games in 27, um, and then he like he basically his career 
fell off a cliff when he was, you know, 30, I don't know, 33, yeah. 32. Yeah, which is pretty normal for the time, I think. Yeah. Oh, very normal for the time. Very rare to go. Yeah, 32, sorry. Um, and then he was, and then he was sent down in the minors, basically. And like, that's what happened to all of them, right? They were not yeah. sent down. They were essentially traded uh, to the, uh, to the miners and um, yeah. And then his career was over. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't see enough to send them into the hall, but like, yeah, I, I completely agree. But at the same time, you're like, what if he hadn't maintained his amateur status and he'd actually yeah. been in the NHA during that time, he might've put up some great numbers and be like, well now like he's obviously in the hall of fame. Cause he, he could even do it in the NHL too. Um, if he, instead, if he was a star, his, yeah. If he was a star in the NHA, I think you have a very different thought process about this. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I think there's just not enough to push him over the top. It's like two, two very good to great seasons, but like sort of nothing else to show for it. And it might not be, you know, we don't know, but it might be because of injuries. Might be because he had to get another job. Like you have no idea what was going on at that time. Yeah. Um, but it just sort of feels like the, you know, the poor guy had two great seasons and then. His other ones got derailed for whatever reason, playing on a bad team, uh, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff that could have happened in those days. Uh, any sort of injury, uh, the coach just decided not to give you playing time, any of that yeah. stuff. And it's like, you know, unfortunately, the the amateur stats just aren't there for us to sort of say, like, he was absolutely dominant and then just didn't want to go to the NHL. And then when he finally did, he still could put up points. It's like we don't have any sort of telling stat of like wow this guy was you know if he had been in the nhl he probably could have done something pretty remarkable it's, there's just not enough there i don't think and the other thing is that the really good um the the uh the tigers team that won the uh the allen cup he was he was a he was a kid still and like yeah. i couldn't find any information that he played a big role in that um yeah. so i mean if he you know if he dominated the allen cup or something it'd be like maybe but like he i mean he had his his crazy his crazy years it came later like he was in the allen cup when he was like i think he was 19 and then he was in his mid-20s when he was like just dominating the senior league um to a crazy you know like six six points in two games in the playoffs his last senior playoffs um but i don't even know if he actually got on the ice he was on the roster i think for the Allen cup win, but I don't even know he was on the ice. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, he's just not enough information. Yeah. Like you said. Um, and you know, I mean, it's two great seasons, but like, that's it. And he played yeah. eight years and, uh, the rest of the time he was very, you know, I mean, they sort of, they pull up those two great seasons, pull up his other years where he was, you know, not, not so good. Cause he had some years where like, like his last season where he was just really, couldn't score at all or his first year for Detroit too. He wasn't great. So, um, all right. So, uh, to summarize Bobby Smith, yes or no. Uh, yeah, I love him, but I'm going to have to say no, just, I don't think he, he had that sort of model of consistency thing. It's going for the first like 10 ish years of his career. And if he'd done that for 15, I'd probably say yes, but, um, it's, it's, it, it's a bit of a tough sell and I really want to give it to him. And I know he was an important player and had, you know, some, some really great seasons in there and went to four cup finals and won one of them. But I, 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 I can't put him in to, I guess, I guess, I guess now that Kevin Lowe's in, I can put him in, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Oh, you put anybody in now that Kevin. Yeah, now, now that the bar has been lowered, let's just put anybody in. But uh, well, well, don't worry, folks. We'll get to the Kevin Lowe episode, and we can all yeah, get mad yeah, about yeah. it then. Yeah. Um, the no, I, I I I feel like he's on the edge, and I think he's one of my sort of. I'm gonna make a like a list of players where if somebody buys me a beer, I will sit there and listen to their argument, no matter how much I disagree. Um, he would be on that list. So. Uh, I I mean for me. If if someone out there knows how much ice time he played in those finals and yeah. you send it to us and you tell us that he was playing like 23, 24 minutes a game in those in the playoffs those years or even like 22, um, I, I might I might be that might swing me. I'm a no right now, but I'm very willing if someone's done the research to to like because I, I very much uh, like I didn't watch these finals. Right. So like for yeah. me, the only access I would have aside from actually going back and watching them is, is the ice time. But yeah, otherwise, yeah. no. Uh, Ron Francis. Yes. Tough question. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then Carson Cooper. I'm going to have to say no, just because we don't have any information about his pre NHL days. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I would, I wouldn't kick him out if he was already in, but I won't put him in <laughs> since he's already out. I'm not changing anything. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I agree with that too. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode and uh, we will be um, we're going to change our format slightly for our next two episodes, but we will tell you about that when we get there. And so uh, please tune in for those and we will see you then. Take care.